If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're looking at verses 8 and 11. We are going to focus in on them again. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. And if you don't have your Bible, you can turn in the Pew Bible there. It's page 902 in the Pew Bible. 902 in the Pew Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 11. We've been considering the, the spiritual gifts. We've been kind of uh, focusing in on the spiritual gifts over the course of the last, what, five weeks, six, I think this is our sixth week. So uh, we've been focusing in on those. And it's important for us to be able to identify at least the, the primary, right, the predominant spiritual gifts and, and have some idea of, of maybe what our gifts are. So we need to be able to, to identify the spiritual gifts, but we also need to be able to identify false gifts, counterfeit gifts, and because there are a lot of people out today who are false teachers who use gifts, especially those, many of those that we'll be talking about today, uh, to lead people astray. And Scripture even warns us that in the latter days there will be false prophets, false teachers who will do many signs and wonders to, if possible, even pull away the elect of God, the Christians. So we need to be able to understand the spiritual gifts and identify the gifts so that we can identify true gifts, be able to tell the true gift from the counterfeit gift. So we've been looking at the spiritual gifts. We've been uh, considering over the the, first of all, we considered the permanent edifying gifts. The permanent edifying gifts. Those are, are permanent. They are, that is, they are permanent in the sense that they started on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came into the hearts of the believers, came into the lives of the believers. They started then, and they will continue until Christ returns. So they're permanent. And they're edifying gifts. They edify the body of Christ. They edify the church. They build the church up to help the church accomplish her mission of taking the gospel to the nations so they are permanent edifying gifts and we looked at first of all the first the six speaking gifts the six speaking gifts these are the gifts that are are really programmed to proclaim the truth of scripture whether in preaching or teaching or whatever along that line the six speaking gifts were prophecy the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, teaching, exhortation, and evangelism. Then we considered the nine serving gifts. The nine serving gifts. These are the gifts that help the church do the work of the ministry. So the nine serving gifts are leadership, administration, discernment, faith, service, helps, mercy, giving, and hospitality. So those are the permanent edifying gifts. Today, we turn now to consider the temporary sign gifts. The temporary sign gifts. Now, the temporary sign gifts are God's miraculous gifts given at particular times in history to confirm new revelation and establish the credentials of God's chosen messengers. Let me say that again. The temporary sign gifts are God's miraculous gifts given at particular times in history to confirm new revelation 
and establish the credentials of God's chosen messengers. So we'll kind of dig into that definition a little bit more here in a moment. But today, I want us to, first of all, I'm going to define and identify the four sign gifts. Now, I had intentions to go on to show the temporary nature of these sign gifts, but as I was studying my notes this morning, uh, it's come apparent that I'm probably only going to make it through Roman numeral 2, and then next time, two weeks from now, uh, we'll come back and, and look at the temporary nature of the sign gifts. So today we're, we're most likely just going to define them and identify them and talk a little bit about them. So save your outline, save your notes, put them in your Bible and bring it back two weeks from now and we'll, we'll finish the, the message. So if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 11, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Let's read this again. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to, to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills amen may the lord add blessings to the reading of his holy inspired and inerrant word and may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts and you may be seated So let's begin today then by defining sign gifts, defining sign gifts. Sign gifts are miraculous gifts given by God to chosen servants in order to confirm new revelation and establish the credentials of God's messengers. Sign gifts are miraculous gifts given by God to chosen servants in order to confirm new revelation and establish the credentials of God's messengers. Now, notice there, there's three parts to that, at least three parts to that little definition there. First of all, sign gifts are miraculous. They are miraculous. That is, they are miraculous in effect. Uh, we can say that all of the spiritual gifts are miraculous in a sense, right? They're miraculous in their application. And their reception, all of the gifts, all of the ones that we've talked about, leadership, prophecy, all of these other, other gifts that we've talked about, they're miraculous, they're supernatural in their reception. Right? Sign, uh, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not just skills that we can naturally develop. They are supernatural gifts that are given by God When we come to know Christ, he empowers us through the Spirit, and he gives us these gifts. So they're miraculous, they're supernatural, all of them are supernatural in their reception. We can, we receive them, we can hone them, right? We can can develop them, I, I, I study preaching so I can be a better preacher, and develop that spiritual gift of prophecy, of preaching, of proclaiming 
God's Word, so uh, you can hone them, but you can't just develop them on your own. These are supernatural gifts. They're given by the Holy Spirit when we come to know Christ. And sometimes we're, they, they change over time, but they're typically given for a, a duration of time. They're not just here one moment and then gone the next. They're, they're there. These are gifts given by God. So they're all supernatural in reception, but when we talk about the temporary sign gifts, they are miraculous in the sense of their effect. Their effect is, is miraculous. Uh, they cannot be explained by nat, uh, natural laws. When people see a sign gift take place, they're like, wow. I, you don't see that every day, right? Now, in preaching, uh, you, you preach and, and you teach, and, and you might see some people respond to that preaching, but that's not miraculous. That, that's not something that says, wow, did you see that? Or if you see someone serve, uh, no one's going to say, wow, did you see that guy? He just served the church. But sign gifts, they, 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 they generate such a response. That guy just healed that person. That person's never been able to walk, and he was healed. Whoa. They're, they're miraculous in their effect, and what happens from them. They're miraculous. They, they do things that cannot be explained by the laws of nature. So they are miraculous. They are definitely the working of God. They're miraculous. Uh, their purpose, though, is twofold. They, first of all, they confirm new revelation. The, the miraculous gift, the sign gifts, they, they, they confirm new revelation. A new revealing of God. We, we see the sign gifts all throughout Scripture, but only when we see a new revelation given from God. We usually see scripture being written in the time where we see the sign gifts empowered in the, the people of God. They typically end with the new revelation, holy, inspired, and errant word of God. So we, we, got, we have our Bible. The Bible was given to us by people who had typically had sign gifts. Right? That they could do at least one or two or some of these things. They, they, they perform miracles. And that was to confirm that, that these men are not ordinary men. They're, they're not working on their own authority, but they are writing, they are giving a word from God. You can trust this because they couldn't do that them, themselves. Right? They couldn't do this act by themselves. God had to have his hand in that. So here's the word that they're giving. So the sign gifts, they reveal, confirm new revelation from God. Furthermore, they are given to establish the credentials of God's messengers. They're given to establish the credentials of God's messengers to say, yes, this is my apostle. This is my prophet. 
They belong to me. They're speaking for me. Of course, we see this predominantly, or we see this uh, greatly in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus himself being God in human flesh, but Jesus came uh, by, according to the will of God the Father. And so in the life of the, the man Jesus, Jesus who took on human flesh, as he ministered in the world through his three years of ministry, he performed signs and wonders that confirmed that he indeed is God's Messiah, that he came on the will of the Father. John chapter 5, verse 36 tells us, but the testimony that I have, Jesus has, Jesus is speaking here, the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. He's talking about John the Baptist there. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So the works that Jesus was doing, the signs and the wonders that Jesus was doing, they bore witness. They were a testimony that Jesus was there ministering according to the will of the Father, that the Father, God the Father, had sent him to do that. Jesus healed. Jesus walked on water. Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. You can't do that other than by the hand of God. All of these signs and wonders was to confirm that Jesus was not an ordinary man. He was not an ordinary man, and he, had, he did not have an ordinary mission. He came by the will of the Father to accomplish the Father's will. The same when you move into the apostles. Jesus empowered the apostles to do signs and wonders to carry the gospel to the people, to the nations. And this was to show that they weren't coming on their own authority. They were not coming under the authority of man, but they were coming in the authority of God. And so it was to confirm their credentials, to confirm that they were men of God with a special mission from God. So the sign gifts are miraculous gifts given by God to chosen servants in order to confirm new revelation and establish the credentials of God's messengers. That's what the sign gifts are. So now that we have the sign gifts defined, let's now move then to consider the four sign gifts that we see in Scripture. The four sign gifts. There are four of them, and only four of them that we see in the New Testament. First of all, there's healing. Healing, the gift of healing. The gift of healing is the ability to cure illness and restore health apart from natural means. The gift of healing is the ability to cure illness and restore health apart from natural means. Now, that's key. It's apart from natural means. Mary Beth's a nurse practitioner, so when I get sick and she tells me, you need to take this medicine, I usually listen to her. 
and I take the medicine, and I have a good response, and, and I get better, right? So she, she knows. That's, but Meribeth doesn't have the, the gift of healing, right? She, she has knowledge. She has skill on, on how to cure the body, so through natural means. But the, the gift of healing uh, is, is to cure illness and restore health through other than natural means. It's a miraculous thing that takes place. We see this exemplified in the, the, the life of, of Peter. We see it in a lot of the apostles, but, but let's just look at this one example. Acts chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. Acts chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, we get a, a beautiful picture of the gift of healing. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. This is not long after Pentecost, the falling of the Holy Spirit, and now the, the apostles have been empowered and emboldened to, to, to take the gospel out to the people. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And notice this, and immediately, immediately, his feet and ankle, ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. He leaped up. Immediately there was strength in his legs. Here's a man who's never been able to walk. He's been lame since birth. He's never been able to walk. And when Peter heals him, immediately he is able to get up. That means two things happen. Whatever the disease or the ailment was that caused his, his, uh, his disability in the, the start and to begin with, whatever condition he was born with, it was healed immediately. It was taken care of. It was gone. But something else took place too, didn't it? I, I don't know if you've ever had, if you've ever had an, uh, uh, an injury, a leg injury, and had to keep your leg immobilized for a while. I, I, I tore my Achilles back in seminary, and I had to, to keep my, my foot immobilized for a long time. It took a long time for that thing to heal. And man, when, when I finally got to come out of the boot, I had no muscle strength left in my lower leg anymore. I mean, my calf was that bigger. It was small. And it took years to get my calf muscle back up to the same size as my other calf muscle. There was atrophy that took place, and, and I had to go through months of physical therapy to, to be able to walk on that leg again. But here's a man 
the ailment was healed, but not only was the ailment healed, but there was instant muscular development so that he had strength to stand up on those legs and leap and run and do all the things that he was never able to do. That's my miracle. And that's the gift of healing. Now, when you go out into the world today and you watch on, on TBN or wherever uh, they, they happen to be, you see some of these uh, self-proclaimed faith healers out, th- out today, what they have to sell is not the gift of healing. It's not the gift of healing. It's not. You don't see those types of results in, in those instances. We were watching here just the other day a, a documentary on Jim Jones. Jim Jones, the self-professed faith healer who ended up leading his cult to suicide, a suicide death down in Jonestown. But he was a self-proclaimed faith healer. He decided that would be good business for him. And so how did he start that? How did he get that going? Well, he started by getting his secretary to come into the the auditorium there, being wheeled in a, a wheelchair into the auditorium. And at a given time in the, the services on that particular day, on several occasions, as he toured about here and there, he called her out and demanded that she get up and walk. And of course, she got up and walked, and she would end up running laps around the, the auditorium there, showing how well he had healed her. She was never ill to begin with. That's not the gift of healing, right? That's not the gift of healing. That's the gift of fraud. And and that's what you get in in a lot of these cases. I mean, really, if if someone was able to heal someone from a lifelong illness such as that, they would be on CNN, not TBN. It would be well-documented. But they don't want to be on CNN because the CNN reporter would dig a little too deep and find out that it's a fraud. Others uh, others of what you get in other cases is this. You get someone who comes in. I got a little knee ache, a little back ache. Man, they sure would like to be healed. They get into that, that moment. They get into that, uh, that whole revival or whatever you want to call it. And they go up to the faith healer. I want to be healed. I got this knee that's hurting me. It's bothering me. I, I can't get along. With, I got arthritis. I, I got this ache in my back. I've got all these problems and ailments. Can you heal me? And, and, and of course, the faith healer commands them to be healed or or throws his coat on them or blows on them or whatever he does. And, whoo, man, that feels good. And, and they're able to, they feel great, right? For a moment, they, they feel the pain leave. And they're able to walk out thinking, oh, man, that was awesome. But then a day or two, once the excitement wears off, the adrenaline wears off, What happens? Well, there's that ache in my knee again. There's that ache in my back again. My arthritis is acting up. That's not healing. 
That's nothing more than a placebo effect. They expected to be healed. And so the body can do wonderful things. It can make you feel great for a moment if you think you're supposed to feel good in that moment. But when the placebo wears off, the ache comes back. That's not healing. This lame man in, in the book of Acts, he, he didn't, it didn't wear off. It never wears off. When Jesus and the apostles healed someone, it didn't wear off in a day or two. It stayed gone. They continued to be healed. You need to understand that. It doesn't wear off. So all these faith healers, self-proclaimed faith healers out there, oh, be careful. Be careful. They're charlatans in disguise. So is the gift of healing the ability to cure illness and restore health apart from natural means, and they continue to be healed. Next is the gift of miracles. The gift of miracles. The gift of miracles is, is similar to healing, but there is a slight difference here. Uh, when we talk about the gift of miracles, the gift of miracles is the ability to perform powerful acts that defy the laws of nature. The ability to perform powerful acts that defy the laws of nature. Now, certainly, uh, healing is miraculous as well. But when you're talking about miracles, uh, the New Testament seems to make some distinction here. Paul obviously makes distinction because he, he lists both of them in his list. So we're talking about supernatural acts, powerful acts. In fact, the word for Miracles here in First Corinthians is the word, the Greek word that means power. The power of God. It's a work of power in someone's life. And these come in two forms. First, there's, there's physical miracles. There's physical miracles. We see these many, many of these in, in Jesus' life. Of course, walking on water. That's a miracle. Jesus walked on water and even called Peter out to walk on water. Peter was able to for a little bit anyway. And, and so the ability to walk on water, the ability to, to feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. That's miraculous. That's miraculously causing that fish and bread to multiply. It's a physical miracle. And causing blindness, even causing blindness to take place uh, i'm going to look at that example here in just a moment but but there again there's a physical miracle but then there's spiritual miracles as well spiritual mir miracles uh, we talk about spiritual miracles we're talking about casting out demons think about the the demonic at at the garrison he had a legion of demons possessing him and jesus said get out of here y'all Right? And they went, they fled, and they went into the, 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 the pigs there, the herd of pigs, and then went and drowned themselves in the ocean. So those are the spiritual miracles. But we see the, the act of miracles uh, demonstrated for us in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Notice that all of these come in from Acts because Acts is the kind of the gospel of the Holy Spirit. It tells of the Holy Spirit's activities in the early church. Acts chapter 13, 
verses 6 through 12, we see a demonstration of Paul demonstrating the act of, of miracles and go back to causing blindness here. This is on Paul's first missionary journey. He and Barnabas and John Mark are, are traveling. They've just started out, and they've come to the island of Cyprus. The island of Cyprus. And he's going about, and he's preaching the gospel on Cyprus. And he runs into this guy who tries to thwart the, the, ex, the, the ministry of the gospel on the island of Cyprus. Chapter 13, starting in verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish, Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man intelligent, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, that's that false musician, uh, magician, uh, the, the false prophet, but Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Paul, who also was called, or excuse me, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, immediately, again, immediately, right? Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. I want you to keep that last part in mind. The proconsul believed. There's a gospel emphasis, a gospel purpose behind this gift of miracles. So that's the gift of miracles, the ability to perform powerful acts that defy the laws of nature. They are supernatural acts that a person is able to do, and immediately those things happen so there's the gift of healing and the gift of miracles third there's the gift of speaking in tongues speaking in tongues now the gift of speaking in tongues is the ability to speak an extent or excuse me an existent to speak an existent language never before learned in order to communicate the gospel the gift of speaking in tongues is the ability to speak an existent language never before learned in order to communicate the gospel. Notice there, it is an existent language. It's an existent language. Look at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, uh, 1 through 13. This is the first sign of the, the, the gift of speaking in tongues that we see in Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, 
when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house with... Uh, and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of the of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are, are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language. And he lists a number of people there, number of nations, of providences that they came from. And so, so in other words, what, what's happening here in Acts chapter 2, as the Spirit of the Lord fell down on the, the church there for the first time, he empowers them to speak in, another, in other languages. Now, one, this is fulfilling a prophecy, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but this is fulfilling a prophecy that God had given to the Israelites back in Isaiah. But it's also, notice, it's to communicate the gospel. It's an actual language. They're, they're not just speaking some kind of ecstatic language, uh, some kind of babble. But these are, are real languages, and, and people are coming, and they're hearing these Galileans speak in their own native language, a language that they had never studied, but now they're able to speak it so that the gospel goes out to the masses, to every tongue and every language. And so this is an existent language. Paul even says this or makes this inference at least, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, a lot of people will take this and say, well, what Paul is saying here is that, that the gift of tongues empowers you to speak the tongues of men, so a foreign language, or of angels. Well, you really can't make that argument from from this text, uh, Paul's not making a definitive statement that there are tongues of men and tongues of languages, that the, the gift of tongues can be a gift of heaven, as some argue. But you can make an inference here, right? There's an inference. Well, let me explain that a little bit more. So the conditional sense, he, he's stating this in a conditional sentence. If I speak, if I speak. Some people say, well, see, see, you can have a, a heavenly language, right? You can have a heavenly tongue. You can talk the, the talk of the angels. That's not what he's saying. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love. Uh, now, I could say, if I had wings, I could just fly right up to the balcony there and not have to take the step. Well, if I had wings, I could do that. 
Y'all check it out. Y'all see any wings? No, I, I, have, I don't have wings. If I had wings, I could do that, but I don't have wings. Now, a definitive statement, I have legs. I have two strong legs, and I can march myself up to the balcony. That's a definitive statement. Paul is making a conditional statement, if I speak, to make a point about love. But from this, we can make an inference at least. I, I think we can make an inference that at least Paul has in mind here that speaking in tongues is speaking an actual language, whether that be the, the, a, a human language or a heavenly language. It's an actual language. Someone, somewhere in the world or heaven can understand that language. Now, you see a lot of people, in, in, especially in the charismatic movement, who would say, oh, it doesn't have to be an actual language. It can just be an ecstatic speech. Not according to Scripture. And we'll look at that more in chapter 14, because Paul really addresses this issue of the, the uh, abuse of the gift of tongues in chapter 14. But, but this is an actual language, an existent language. But it also has a gospel purpose. You need to make clear it has a gospel purpose. Look over in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. Again, we'll cover this again later on, but 1 Corinthians 14, 22, Paul says, Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, not for Christians, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign for uh, not for unbelievers, but for believers. The gift of tongues is, is a sign gift for unbelievers. Now he'll go on and say, now if an unbeliever comes into your congregation and you're all speaking in tongues, uh, then, then they're just going to say, think you lost your mind. Uh, because he's talking to this, this church in Corinth. And the believer or the non-believers around them would speak the same language. And here they are speaking all this kind of gibberish, really, in, in their ceremonies. And people are coming in and saying, man, those folks have lost their mind. I don't want what they've got. But this is, there's a gospel purpose for the, it was a sign for unbelievers. One, it was a sign for the Jews. Because over there in Isaiah chapter 28, I believe, uh, God pronounces judgment on the, there's coming a day that, that people of, of unknown lips will proclaim the gospel, and this is what's taking place. But it was also a sign to unbelievers all around. As they were taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, well, Paul didn't, he knew, you know, he knew Hebrew and he knew Greek and Aramaic, but he didn't know all these other languages, but yet he was able to go to all these places and speak in their own tongue and language. It was a sign to unbelievers. As the gospel was going out, it was a way for God to expediently take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, so these apostles and those associated with apostles, they had this gift so that they communicate, could communicate the gospel to, to people of unknown languages. It had a gospel purpose. It had a gospel purpose. Even as you see it uh, going through the book of Acts, you see it, it's a declaration of the, the gospel. It's to show that the gospel is going from Jew to Gentile. There's a gospel purpose. There's always a gospel purpose behind it. Now what we see in so many of the, 
these self-proclaimed gurus out there or, or televangelists or whatever? Is there a gospel purpose in what they're doing? Typically not. Typically not. Usually it's to build up their own kingdom, not Christ's kingdom. So be careful. The gift of tongues is an extent language, an existent, excuse me, an existent language that is given for the purpose of the gospel, the spread of the gospel. So there's the healing, the miracles, the gift of speaking in tongues, and then there's the interpretation of tongues. And the interpretation of them, or the gift of the interpretation of tongues, that's a mouthful, is the ability to understand an existent language never before learned in order to communicate the gospel. The gift of interpreting tongues is the ability to understand an existent language never before learned in order to communicate the gospel. So the gift of tongues is able to speak, the gift of interpretation of the tongues is be able to interpret, to understand what is being said. So you go to a foreign land and you're trying to communicate. Well, it, there's only so limited communication if you only have the gift of tongues to speak their language. You also need to be able to interpret their questions coming back to you. So there's that interpretation of tongues. So understand we need to understand a little clarification here because i'm saying that these are temporary sign gifts and when you say that those temporary sign gifts i believe have ceased then you have some people will say well you think miracles have ceased you think god doesn't heal anymore no that's not what i'm saying we need to to clarify make clear here i am not saying that God can no longer perform miracles. I am not saying that God can no longer perform works of healing. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, when I have a loved one who is sick, man, I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to pray for healing. And, and I've seen people who have had the church pray for them, people come lay hands on them, and, and see healing in, in them and health restored through the power of God. But we need to understand there's a difference between the miraculous acts of God and the gift of healing and the gift of miracles, these sign gifts. Right? The, the miracles of God, they can happen anytime to anyone through any hand. I could go and, and pray with someone and pray for someone and see God heal that person, be able to witness that but not have the gift of healing. You see, the gift is something that's it's there, at least for a duration. Now, you've heard me say that sometimes they, they change over time, but that's over time. With gifts, it's not a one-and-done type of, of deal. Not, that's not what we see in Scripture. We see them come and last for a while, and then we begin to see them fade away, as we'll see next week. But, but it's not this one and done. It's not like, uh, let me go lay hands up there healed. Well, I had the gift of healing for five seconds. No. If you have the gift of healing, you have the gift of healing, at least for a, a time period, uh, for a span of time. If you have the gift of miracles, you have the gift of miracles for a span of time. If you have the gift of tongues, you have it for a span of time. If you have the gift of interpreting tongues, what Scripture shows is that there is a span of time that they had those gifts. 
I'm not, talk, I'm not saying that God can't do these miraculous things in the world anymore, but the gift, I believe, the gifts have ceased. And we'll, we'll talk about why next week. But understand, uh, God can still do wonders, miraculous signs and wonders, even in our own time. We just don't see the gifts, these gifts in the church. So, these are the four sign gifts. There are four sign gifts, and, and these are the only four that we see in Scripture, that I've seen in Scripture. That means that slaying in the Spirit that you see dramatized on TV and, and in these uh, revivals, if you call them, slaying in the Spirit. I mean, you've all probably seen Benny Hinn take his coat and throw it on people and they fall out and wiggle around on the floor and all they call that uh, slaying the spirit slaying in the spirit that's not a sign gift that is nowhere in scripture the only place you see that in scripture when was jesus cast out a demon and, and the people fall down prostrate on the ground when the demon's coming out you see some of that but that was not that's that's the gift of, of miracles right casting out demons that's not slaying in the spirit so people add to this list whatever they want to to make themselves look better. But be careful. Be careful. Be weary. There are many false prophets, many teachers who would lead astray even the elect of God, if possible, through signs and wonders. Be careful. Be careful. As we look at these sign gifts, I want to close with this, this, this note. All of these gifts have a gospel purpose. All of these gifts have a gospel purpose. Just like we saw there in the story of, of Paul causing the, the false prophet to go blind, the magician to go blind. There was a gospel purpose there. It was to increase the gospel presence there on the Isle of Cyprus. When you look in, at the rest of the story of Peter healing the lame man, he goes into the temple and people come around him and they hear the gospel proclaimed. When you see Jesus going out and doing signs and wonders, they're there to draw people to hear the gospel, to open up their eyes and their ears to the gospel. There's a gospel purpose in mind. It's always to exalt Christ, not self. Exalt Christ, to glorify Christ, to draw people to Christ. And that's the purpose of all of our gifts. All of our gifts are with one purpose. To communicate the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to take the gospel to every people, every tribe, every nation in the world. Your gift, whatever your gift is, there's a gospel purpose. God empowered you to work in the church to proclaim the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And let me just say, if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, it's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. That's why we're here, because Jesus Christ came 
to save us from our sin. We were destined to the road of damnation and Jesus came, stepped out of heaven to do the work of the Father, to redeem a people, to save a people unto himself. He gave his life on Calvary's cross that if we trust in him, he will save us. That's what we're here for. That's what we're about. We're about Jesus. If you've never trusted in Jesus before, my heart, my prayer today for you is that you would trust in him. You're a sinner on the road to judgment. But Jesus says, here I am. Here's my gift. Eternal life, if you'll receive it. Will you receive it today? Will you trust in him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, even in the sign gifts that we see, they were given to, to be proof and evident of, of the gospel that you proclaimed. And, Lord, even as we look back in the history of the, the New Testament and see the signs and the wonders of Jesus and the apostles, Lord, we can have faith that their message is your message because, Lord, you delivered the gospel through your divine power expressed, worked through those men. And so, Lord, we can trust the gospel. We can trust Holy Scripture because you bore witness that it is truth. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray that we would never fall victim to all of the false prophets and teachers that are out there. Lord, give us eyes to see falsehood. Give us eyes to see the counterfeit. To discern truth. And Lord, if there's any today, and certainly there are those who are either here or or watching online, or listening in, Lord, who've never trusted in Jesus. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would turn their hearts, open their hearts to see Jesus, to trust in him, and give their lives to him. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.